Hello, and welcome back to Wonder and Sunder. Josh here, and before we get to the show, just a quick note. Today's guest will be covering the topic of domestic violence. As some of you may know, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So, we have invited our guest to speak about the way that they are involved in helping spread awareness of domestic violence and abuse. Cool. Well, welcome to Wonder and Sunder, the podcast where we wonder and sunder about people we meet every day in life. Correct. And sunder is the new word that we're exploring. It's the, help me out. It is the um, realization that uh, every random passerby has a life as complex and as... um, Unique as our own. Exactly. Yeah. And so our theory is if we learn each other's stories, then we're no longer random passerbys, but we're actually invested in each other and care for one another. So, yeah, that's awesome. So the next person we have today is Mary Shea. So uh, we want to invite you all to wander and sunder with us. So Mary Shea, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks. It's great to be here. So uh, just to start us off, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, I grew up in Wisconsin. Um, I went to St. Olaf College uh, for college. And um, the reason I went there was because someone told me I would be a good match for that place. And so it happened that the king of Norway was there the day I visited. And I said, that's for me. Um, But there was much... Many more things in my future that happened at St. Olaf that kind of determined my course in life. One was I met my husband there, Tim Shea, and um, we worked early. Our early career was with deaf and hard of hearing students. He was a teacher, and so was I. And then um, we got, we lived in New York at the time, and, and so then we came back to Minnesota because we all Norwegians come back to Minnesota. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And so we felt more comfortable here. Um, We raised three children here. And um, at first we moved to Coon Rapids and then um, we, the call of Anoka came. And so we decided that was moving up in the world to go move to Anoka. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, ultimately, then um, I kept working with deaf and hard of hearing students, and Tim took over technology at Anoka High School, and uh, that's what kids went to Anoka High School, and and at this point, I have six grandchildren. Yay! Um, and so um, life goes on, it and does. we're both retired. How is that going? Good. Retirement is yes. just as busy, yes. almost, except you can choose when you can be busy. <laughs> kind of. Although you care for grandkids sometimes, so you don't always get to choose that either. Right. So that's, that's a delight, too. It is, actually. I, say, I feel like every time I see you, you're always doing something. Like, oh, no, I have this going on and this going on. And what are some of the things that you're doing right now to keep busy? Well, at Zion, my main thing is um, the Rachel Circle, which is um, the sole mission of the Rachel Circle is domestic violence awareness. So October, 
uh, is the busiest month usually um, because we have lots of activities planned both at Zion and out in the community. Yeah, That's every awesome. year it gets to be a little more to do, and so I'm getting ready um, to um, get the cities that we asked to go purple. I'll explain that later. Get their lights up um, to get um, communications out to coordinate with the shelters for domestic violence victims for how they want us to um, reach out to people mm-hmm. and also for Rachel Circle itself to keep on learning and promoting what the role of the church is in helping people in that situation. Absolutely. And that's been a growing piece for us here. It started, how many years ago was it that we started this Rachel Circle? In 2013, Rachel Circle started and we had um, all the pastors and a lot of staff and the circle itself trained on what the whole, all the issues of domestic violence. And for many of us, it was a very eye-opening experience. Definitely. We're not aware of that issue um, in the community. Right. So I'm just going to step back one second and tell you what a circle is. So a circle is, um, it's usually a group of women, although I think in this case, it would be fine to have anyone who wanted to be a part of it, be a part of it. But um, the circles at Zion, there's like nine of them. And so there is, um, so it's usually women get together and they do a Bible study and a service project and have fellowship together. And so Rachel's circle focus, like you said, Mary, is that um, it is domestic violence awareness. That's your service. That's your mission. And so that's been really kind of fun to have that different avenue. And it's been, like you said, very eye-opening to us here. We've done some things in our congregation. What did they say? Oh, we don't, we don't have that here. We don't, we don't have domestic violence here which is ridiculous because what's the statistic? One in how many? One in seven women yeah. experience wow. also known as intimate partner violence in their lifetime. Right. And one in four men. Yep, And that does not exclude people in the church. So it happens to anyone, no matter what economic class or race or um uh, whether they're Lutherans or not, or Christians, it doesn't matter. These are, this is how we relate to one another and it happens across the board. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So we definitely know that um, it happens here. And actually, Anoka County has a pretty high rate, I think. And so. Yes, it's a public health issue here yeah. and everywhere. Um, fortunately, in Anoka County, um, it's being worked on. Um, there's a special coalition called the Violence Roundtable, Violence Prevention Roundtable of Anoka County. And it <clears throat> gathers representatives from all sectors, um, legal, government, um, chambers of commerce, healthcare. Um, and it came out of a study done by the healthcare system on the incidence of domestic violence in this county. And it was determined that it is a problem. Yes. And so um, in that coalition, we're working on awareness countywide as well as prevention strategies. Good. Mm -hmm. That's good. 
And so we have October. So what are some uh, some of the things that we have going on this month for our awareness? Well, first of all, we have a, a special Sunday um, set aside to focus on the, the problem of domestic violence and the themes and how it relates to um, passages in scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, we pray for people in the situation. Um, we have um, visible symbols such as purple flowers. We have a purple candle on the altar. Mm-hmm. We have a display in the narthex uh, or in the um, commons, lower commons. We'll be talking about this year will be learn something and do something. So <clears throat> there's always more to learn. Always. And so if the, you know, for domestic violence, people with that focus like Rachel Circle, we know a lot and we've self-educated but we recognize that that information is not widespread yet. So we keep working on what's the important thing to know. And then what else can be done? Some people say, well, it's just, you know, too far from my uh, pattern of behavior or the kind of thing I would work on. But you can still do something. Oh, yeah. A lot mm-hmm. of things. And one of them is just donate to the shelters. Um, that would be, in our case, Alexandra House or the Dwelling Place. They are both in Anoka County. One is a short, more short-term shelter, like 30 days. That's Alexandra House. And they have a variety of services. So even yes. someone who's in the situation who is concerned and thinks they might be in trouble can call them, and they have advocates 24-7 that will yeah. answer the phone and talk. And then the dwelling place, <clears throat> excuse me, is a more um, long-term service that people mm-hmm. live up to 18 months or longer and wow. <clears throat> are trained how to go back in the community. So, yeah, both are very needed. It's amazing. So I like what you said about if they, you don't think that it's in your <clears throat> sphere of influence or that you are... <clears throat> Excuse me, that you are, um, that you can't do anything about it, but just even raising that awareness or even putting it to the front of your mind rather than to completely forget about it. Because once we, we think about it, then of course, sometimes we see things that we wonder about or worry about. And so it's a good time to like address that or, um, maybe even, Look at our own relationships and are we being healthy with one another? That kind of thing too. So a lot yeah. of people don't seem to know the difference. And I'm one of them that you know has learned um, the difference between a healthy relationship and unhealthy relationship right. and abusive. Mm-hmm. And that's also something we're trying to get to all the generations that attend our church. Um from the young children to which, you know, that involves maybe parenting strategies um, to teenagers and young adults, and then, you know, families and single people and the elderly. So abuse right. happens at all those levels. Does. And um, it's the kind of thing that damages people for generations. And yep. so mm-hmm. um, it's a worthy thing to try to prevent and absolutely knowing how is is half the battle 
that um, my baseline always is that God wants us in healthy relationships. And so um, that's my, that's baseline. And then we can go from there. We can look at scriptures or we can do whatever. But, um, but to remember that God wants us to be in healthy relationships. So if it isn't healthy, then God wants us to have it be healthy. And so we have to, we might need to make changes or realize different things. And one of the things that I've really enjoyed, so I've been working with them for a long time here at, um, for about six years now. And we've done programs. Josh has been part of this too, where we did programs for our confirmation youth. We, we find this to be a, a great value, of course, to our, our congregation to know what a healthy relationship looks like. And if we can start young in their dating relationships, then maybe we can um, kind of head things off before they get um, out of control. Or maybe they just have that seed for later on when they're having a relationship. So it was really fun to see them. We had Alexandra House come, um, so the shelter, and they have advocates and they have educators and they have volunteers and they were able to come to our congregation and on a Wednesday night for confirmation, of course, we required it because that's how you get people to come (laughs) and um, parents too. And then we did these exercises on what was healthy and what wasn't healthy and the kids were very insightful, I thought. They grabbed a hold of that. They didn't think it was ridiculous. They actually um, were like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. And here's why. It was really fun to watch them to do that. Maybe not fun. Fun shouldn't be the word. Maybe it's just um, encouraging would be probably the better word, right? I would guess that... You got better attention from them than they do in the average confirmation class. <laughs> right, a- yes. When I'm when Pastor Sue is up there doing her lesson, I don't get that kind of attention. <laughs> oh, you're right. True. That's great. But it's a serious topic and it is. this year we're moving to online relationships and um, what's healthy and what's not healthy. I think so, that's really great. Yep. I think um Yes, our kids have their noses into their electronic devices and they've reached out farther and farther into that sort of cyber world. And so we don't know always who is at the other end of that. And there are definitely um, red flags that could be seen along the way and they need to know what those are. Absolutely. So out of curiosity, I'm going to back up a little bit. Yeah. What got you... Uh, or Rachel Circle specifically interested in domestic abuse? Well, we were lucky to have a pastor who that was her passion um, to bring that to the fore at church and um, was able to find people that could uh, talk to us about it. And so um, I think... Part of the group um, actually are survivors, and um, some of that doesn't come out right away. No. Um, mm-hmm. You find th- get that surprise as you get to know each other. So in a, in a way, we're a support group for each other. And then those who aren't exactly survivors through this process have discovered that it's so, so important to work on your own family relationships all the time. And, um, but not only that, 
to reach out to people who really need the help because people that get in the abusive situation sometimes don't even realize it is abusive. Right. And then it's too late sometimes before um, they're just in a situation they can't get out of. And they definitely need someone to stand for them and to stand against domestic violence. It's one thing to... Um, read about it in the paper. It's an entirely different thing to experience it. So we've had survivors come and talk to our group about what they went through, and it's hard not to be shocked um, at what some people have endured. Um, and they certainly need prayer. And um, October is a time that we remember the victims who've actually died. Right. And in Minnesota, <clears throat> um, there is a memorial site. Um, for the victims that have died sent into the, I want to say 1980s, it's 30 years, um, 1990s. Um, every year, the number of victims who um, died in a homicide from domestic violence. This year, the numbers are getting up there again, and the pandemic made it worse. Yes. So just if you're the type of person who feels a lot of empathy uh, it, you would be naturally attracted to want to do something about this. I agree. Mm-hmm. Well, I like that you said you guys are a great support group for each other and that you said it's it's good to learn these things even if you haven't experienced them because then you can recognize them and others and that puts that good like peer-to-peer relationship into action. There's that accountability there too. I agree. And it always goes back to learning each other's stories, doesn't it? Like for me, it does. Whenever I've connected to somebody who has had that experience, my eyes are open. My empathy is widened. And also my judgment goes down because when you hear about how it has happened to somebody else, I don't judge anymore about, well, why didn't she just leave? I never say that anymore because it's not that simple. It's never that simple. And so, um, so, so that's the thing when we hear about each other's stories. And so we need to hear the stories of even the ones who have died. And we had a display where we had, uh, they were like cutouts. Um, they're, uh, they're called the silhouettes. Yeah. The silhouettes they're in red. And then they would share, um, the story of that person, um, or person's, Sometimes there was a child, I think, involved too. I think there was a mom and a daughter at the same time and those kind of things that, um, so I, you needed to hear, or in this case, because they can't speak, you needed to read those stories and see, wow, that, that's what happens. That mom and that daughter that I think you're referring to lived in my neighborhood in Coon Rapids when we first lived here and, um, the daughter played with my kids and, um, it was such a tragic story, and um, it just should never happen. But those right. silhouettes, um, they were up recently um, at Hope Fest, which was in downtown Anoka this past weekend. Yeah. And um, they had the silhouettes covering the entire parking lot in front of City Hall. Right. And wow. um, you could go to each one, and there's a gold plaque on each one that sh- says the name except for one is called the silent witness. Oh. And that's for the people that you don't know it, 
you know, right. who they are, but, you know, endured. Because it's always, there, not always, there's a lot of power dynamics and a lot of isolation that goes into this when um, people are being abused. And so um, part of that uh, reaching out and knowing each other is another part that breaks that isolation. And it's hard to do, of course, it's never black and white, but, but um, just every time we learn another story or we encounter another person face to face and we um, communicate, that's one more uh, avenue for a person to not be so isolated. Yes, sometimes they're so isolated that um, it's almost dangerous to even seek out help. um, Every site that you go to that's for helping domestic violence victims has a quick button to get out um, because they don't want to be seen or tracked um, by their partner um, or the family member that's abusing them. Um, And if they give any signs of leaving that is the most dangerous time for them and that's the time when the most homicides happen it's also the most dangerous of the kind of police calls that there are is right uh, when they call on a house that's uh, yeah uh, intervening in domestic violence uh, situation it just happened a couple days ago again and uh, in minnesota and it just, um, it's frightening. It is. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> one thing that we're trying to develop is um, some printed resources that have covers that don't tell, but have little numbers on, phone numbers to call. And it's got an artistic cover, but you wouldn't know it from its cover what it was. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Another mm-hmm. thing is that one of the things that survivors have told us that they needed the most was a safety plan. Right. And that when they realize that they are being abused and that they don't deserve to be in the situation, they need to plan ahead for when they leave. So um, <clears throat> Alexander House has a very nice brochure that has a safety plan in it. Right. And um Similar things, I think, are out there and developed for um, kids in dating relationships and um, other situations, um, elderly, that are possibly being abused by a family member. But a safety plan uh, is one of the things that we want to try to spread. Good. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. That's the part where it is tricky. Again, it's probably an understatement, but that um, you do need that plan to be able to leave. Uh, We, Jeff and I knew somebody just recently who um, had left a relationship and with her two children. And it was, it's amazing. We we were on pins and needles. And again, we we don't get to know everything and we shouldn't know everything because it needs to be um, confidential so that it doesn't, the fewer people, number of people who know, either a where they are or how it's happening is better. And so um, we were, um, we were just so nervous. We prayed a lot that day when she left him um, with her two children and it was just amazing. And the boys left, um, they're young and they were only able to take only so many toys because they had Mm -hmm. to leave quickly and so um, for, for a while, they only had one matchbox car between the two of them. And so 
my boys were cleaning out their closets, which was awesome. And Carl comes up with this semi, you know how one of those semi things that has the compartments for all the matchbox cars that you can, it's like a little holder deal. And so, um, we were like, Oh my gosh, let's give it to them. And so, uh, Jeff uh, brought it to them and, um, the mom said they were just like in shock because they've been fighting over and sharing quote unquote one matchbox car. And they just got like, I don't know, 40 from that. And it was just an easy thing where my 15 year old isn't playing with his matchbox cars anymore. And we were like, we know exactly what to do with those. And even if you don't have that, there's other places that can be given. I don't have that information, but it's not hard to Google where you could bring toys or what um, different places need and all of that kind of stuff. So before you um, give it away to just something random, you can think about that too, that these people leave with nothing sometimes and so, or next to nothing. And that's about, that's what happens. So we always smile when we think about that right now and the family's doing okay. Um, so just a little out there plug. It's not easy, but it's going okay. Yeah. So let's talk about our purple lights. I know that's a switch. <laughs> it's okay. okay that's hold what on I was going to ask I too. will bless you. Don't <laughs> worry. Um, but one of the things that we have, um, or that you have done, Mary, this is um, from you, but um, that there is a thing called the Purple Lights Initiative. And so not only does it help us um, to remember, but it also gives us a visual to to sort of be in solidarity and um, support and awareness and just remember all of this is happening. And so the easy part of that was purple lights. So tell us how that got started and what that's all about. Well, um, I also belong to another group at a Catholic church that is about domestic violence awareness. They're at St. Joseph the Worker in Maple Grove. Yep. They have a really good program. And yep. a member of that program um, lives in Arizona in the winter and she saw an Arizona police department lighting purple and she said I want to take that back to Minnesota so she brought Ooh. that idea back she convinced the city of Maple Grove to do it and now they've done it ever since that was about five years ago mm -hmm. <clears throat> and then um <clears throat> A friend that was in that group said, do you want to try to get someone in Anoka to do that? Sure. <laughs> well, <laughs> we didn't know what we were getting into, but the first place we went was the Anoka County Sheriff's Office. And the sheriff, um, Sheriff Stewart, um, listened to us and to our proposal that we he light his building in purple. Um, during the month of October, and he said yes. Yes. And he said, you don't have to convince me that this is a he problem. He has been super supportive. He's even come here to Zion, and he's talked about sex trafficking. He brought his um, some of his team with them, and it was really great that he's able to do that and that he's willing to do that, and he's been very supportive. I know that. So... So you got the sheriff's department over on Hanson Boulevard to... And then we, Zion, raised a little bit of money to give an incentive to for another city to do lights. And it was actually, that included the sheriff too, but also the city of Ramsey. So they light still every year in purple. 
And um, so those two were the first two to start. And then um, during the pandemic, um, Alexandra House could not do their Hope Fest, which was normally outside anyway, but they, they just couldn't do it. It right. was just the thick of the pandemic. So they asked if we could do purple lights anyway, um, and they would take it on as, <clears throat> you know, um, helping ask the cities. <clears throat> Excuse me, my voice is going. I know. But anyway, there are 12 cities all together, I think even more, that they do normally <clears throat> what's called a proclamation. And their, <clears throat> their city council proclaims October month of domestic oh, violence awareness month. Good. Hmm. And then they read something at their council meeting that a council meeting that stands against domestic violence. Good. We asked those same cities and now we're up to six. Wow. So Coon Rapids, Blaine, um, they don't always, Blaine doesn't have a good way to show purple lights and that's a technical problem sometime, but we keep working on that. So they do it inside and then um, <clears throat> City of Anoka, and they get, they're getting bigger this year. They're going to have more purple than ever. Um, Which and, is and, saying something because Anoka is the Halloween capital of the world, so they tend to default on orange during that time. So in order to be able to get them to do purple is amazing. Um, I'm, there's nothing against the City of Anoka, but, you know, it's kind of sometimes hard to split Um focuses but they are totally able to do that which is great and i love hearing that they're even expanding it too and they they jumped right on it mm -hmm. police department as well as the as city hall will be purple good um and then we might see the bridge crossing um oh yeah anoka into from champlain into anoka might be turned purple for a time and then also they have an electronic sign which will announce that it's Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So, and then Zion. Yep. And then uh, last year, Lord of Life Lutheran yep. did it, and they will do it again. A couple other churches, uh, we're not sure yet. Um, and we're asking, <clears throat> it's kind of late to do this, but we're, we're going to work on it um, for next year, too, is um, the churches that affiliate with Zion in the Rum River Conference Right. <clears throat> so, so Lutheran Church, ELC Lutheran churches in our right. area. So, so yeah. the cities, churches, and we are asking people, individuals to right. shine purple in their porch lights or garage lights in our case. That's what it was. It's just a purple light bulb that screws in and, and then you get a sign and put it out. And so this year, Alexander House has a package. You can buy um, a string of lights a sign, um, I forget what else is in the packet, everything you need to do purple lights at your house. Oh, awesome. Or your small business if you want to do it right. in a small business. So that's how it's grown. Um, yeah. And we hope it keeps growing in that direction. Anyway, the message is domestic violence is a problem. And by the way, this isn't just a Minnesota thing, oh, as you know, known. I said yeah. Arizona, but yeah. if you Googled other states, it's spreading all over and also Europe. So Very doing cool. purple lights for domestic violence awareness in October is a thing. Yeah, that's awesome. So here at Zion, I think it's always funny. We have um, our crosses lit up uh, on our building and uh, it needs some refurbishing, just so you know. So. Mm -hmm. 
what we would love for it to be is um, working well, and we're working on it. But uh, we're able to change the color of that light, which is always a funny thing to do because one person has to be outside and one person has to be inside. And so it's a remote control. So you um, aim the remote control inside up to the light and you press the button while you're on the phone with somebody outside telling you what color it is. (laughs) Very sophisticated. And so um, we change it to purple when we can. And most uh, it's going out right now, but we're trying to um, get it fixed, but at purple. And so one time, because Goodrich Field, which is a, a high school uh, football stadium, is right across the street from us. And so on Friday nights when they have games, there's our cross. And someone said, Pastor Sue, why can't we have that be maroon? You know, because that's Anoka's color. And I was like, because it's October and it's Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And that's why it's purple. And they're like, oh, that's good too. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that funny? So um, people see it, which is amazing. And so uh, it is when you see that purple. And if you're able to equate it with the month, it makes a difference. And so... At Hope Fest um, this past Saturday, um, someone came up to me and said, Oh, you're from Zion? Zion, it's a beacon of hope. Oh. That was so nice to hear. It is. It is. We ha- because there is hope. I mean, that's where we ha- we've talked a lot about this. And it always seems a bit daunting and a bit bigger and it's kind of um, disheartening to hear facts and then of course the homicides and they just continue to still go on but there is hope that we can make this uh less to begin with hopefully and then if we could make it go away it would be great just treating each other kindly and learning what a healthy relationship looks like sharing our struggles and all of the things that make us feel insecure or not worthy or needing power or those ugly places inside of us. If we could start to heal those places and treat each other with kindness and love and respect, it would be quite nice. (laughs) Not just in our home, in our homes, especially, but also in our community as well. And so I know it sounds like such a big thing. It feels like I'm a beauty pageant person saying, I want world peace, but I do. I want us to be in good relationships with each other and care for one another. And so that's what we're called to do, which is really important. Well, it's the gospel. Um, this is a, right. a group of mm-hmm. oppressed people, no doubt. And right. um, God cares about those who are oppressed. And so... yep. Um, we want to be uh, God's hands. Yes. You know, and God's light. Yes. To good. the community. And um, I agree. it does send a message of hope to victims and um, that someone cares that in their isolated place, that someone is right. working on it. And so that's um, why having it in our worship is really important too, so that people can hear that um, and maybe hear that word of grace and the word of that God is there with you in the midst of this um, as well. So the big question is, Mary, are you ready for it? So you've been doing this for a little while. What is the hardest part of it? And what is the most rewarding thing about 
doing this work? I think the most, the hardest part is for a shy person to go up to someone really important and ask them to participate in this. For me, that's the hardest part. I think that's kind of how Moses felt, and it's kind of how yes. some of the prophets felt. I don't put myself in that category, but, you know, <clears throat> an ordinary person can speak up. Yes. And sometimes you have to talk to people that are in positions of authority. Right. Um, to convince them and encourage them to have our community come together over an issue like this. Yes. So that's me. And um, I, that's my hardest part. The most rewarding is just that all that God does say yes to and makes happen mm. through the work. Right. And I feel like I should never doubt that it's going to happen. It doesn't always happen on my timeline. Right. But <laughs> um, you put it out there and it's a miracle. It just goes. And I'm surprised every time, but I shouldn't be. Yeah, and it's been growing, which is awesome. We've been we have a visual for that, you know, with our purple lights, but also people saying things like that that there's hope and that they're, you know, thank you and not that we need the thanks, but we it's nice to know that what we are doing hopefully making a difference. So, and what you do, Mary, absolutely makes a huge difference. Uh I've always admired your um your steadfastness. Um, so knowing Mary, she um, has all of these detailed lists. <laughs> <laughs> and and so I love that because then she's organized and then she keeps me organized. But also, um, you're also so um, genuine and passionate that we can't help but be as well. You know, and uh, so that's a good gift that God has given you in the midst of this, too. So. Well, thank you. Ah, Absolutely. So anything, any final words, anything that you can think of? <laughs> I just want to, what Sue said, repeat that. Like, absolutely. What you've done is amazing. Um, and you're so humble about it, which is great to see and a good example to follow. So thank you for all that you're doing in the community. We do. You're welcome. It's it's a privilege. Well, now we know Mary's story, and with Mary's story, we know stories of other people who need um, for us to hear that their stories and to know and to be available for them if we can, and to be able to pitch in and help out in the ways that we are able to. Wonder and Sunder is co-hosted by Sue Walliger and myself, Josh Myronick. The show's artwork and editing are done by me. Follow us on social media at WonderSunderAnoka on Instagram and Twitter or on Facebook at WonderAndSunder. Questions about Wonder and Sunder or suggestions on future guests? Email us at WonderSunderAnoka at gmail.com.